Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hey friends, we're excited to have another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. And I'm blessed to be today with a friend, Scott Negi, who is the head men's basketball coach at Wright State University. Go Raiders. I happened to go to school there and graduated a number of years ago. I'd be in uh, 1992. It shows my age of 51. And yeah, there's been a lot of success in the Wright State basketball program, really since Scott's been here. So, Scott, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, you have a little basketball history in the Dakotas. You grew up in the Midwest. Now you're at Wright State. Talk about what it's like recruiting, being a basketball coach, living life, being a family guy in Ohio compared to way out West. What's different? Where are people and life the same no matter what? But tell us a little bit about where you've been that way and now being here for several years. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I spent 21 years as a head coach at South Dakota State and started out Division Two and then went Division One. Uh, really, the, the probably the best part about the change for me, even though it was a very difficult change, is I get to be home more. Uh, at South Dakota State, you know, we just had to travel so much farther, not only to play basketball games, but to recruit uh, and so I was just gone a lot more. And we have a nice practice facility here at Wright State. And so we actually practice in the mornings. And I, I go home uh, in, in the early afternoons a lot of times. And so I'm home a lot more. It's good for me. I don't know how good it is for my wife. Uh, but but I think, you know, for the most part, she's enjoyed having me home more. The recruiting is a lot different. There's just so many more players in this area than obviously out in South Dakota. And you say way out west, they, the South Dakota thinks they're the Midwest and they think Ohio is east. And so everybody wants to call themselves the Midwest. You know, it's interesting you said that, Scott, because I think most people would look and say more fertile field, more opportunity, you know, between Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Dayton, even surrounding Ohio. But as you just said, that probably presents a lot of problems because there's that much more you have to do. And yeah, talk about the pros and cons more so of the travel and talent, wealth thereof here compared to maybe where it was in some ways easier out there. Yeah, it was it was easier to organize recruiting there because, you know, in a, in a really in a 10 hour area of driving east, west, you know, north, south, you almost do every player. We're here in a in a just a three hour radius of driving anywhere from here. You know, and if I go five hours, I can go all the way to Chicago, Pittsburgh, Louisville, Cincinnati, Nashville. I mean, we, we can get almost anywhere. And now there's so many more players. And, and so to organize that recruiting is so much more difficult. Uh, and, and the other thing is that there are a lot more players. You know, I can walk out my back door and trip over one, but there's also that many more schools in the area that are, that are trying to get those players. And so, it's nice that there are more players. It's nice that we don't have to go as far to see them, but the competition level for all of them is a lot higher. Sure. It's always fun to hear about a wife's perspective on things. And I know, you know, since we have a relationship, we've talked about this some, but talk about life 
bounced around a little bit, and you were obviously in the Dakotas for quite a while, and you know your dad's in Chicago, and and uh, you've been here in Centerville. Is it, are you in your fifth year, sixth year? I'm in my fifth year. Right? Fifth year. So what's life been like? Talk about life as a coach's wife for Jamie with kids, with things going different that way, but just, you know, South Dakota versus here versus other places. Talk about life and settling and be engaged and, and what's a challenge for a coach's wife. Well, she could speak to it better for sure. But I, you know, I, the, the thing I know is I, I could not even come close to have had the success that we've had if it wasn't for her. We, we have five children and, uh, you know, when, when I got the head coaching job there, I was 28 years old and we had, we had one little boy. And so, uh, you know, she's pretty much raised five kids through my entire head coaching career. I mean, she, she's done most of it. And, we, you know, we have five wonderful kids, all doing very well. We have just one left in high school now. And so we're almost empty nested at, at this point. But, you know, it's, it's hard on the marriage, I think, mostly because in order for me to do a good job, I, I have to spend so much energy and I only have so many words. I'm, I'm a fairly quiet person and I usually use up all my words at practice and the energy it takes me to get the players to the level I think they need to play all those things. And so by the time I get home, I don't, I don't have a whole lot left. And, you know, I mean, she's ready to talk, she's ready to engage. And, uh, and so it, it's been a battle really our whole marriage just me being able to give her the attention that she needs. Uh, you know, she's obviously very happy. We've, we've, you know, had a lot of success winning games, uh, but, but there have been several times where, you know, I've not been a great husband to her because I've poured all my energy into one thing and haven't left enough for her. And, it, it, you know, it's still an ongoing battle for us. And, uh, you know, I honestly – I feel bad for her a lot of times just because of the way that I am. I'm thankful we've been married 28 years and she's hung in there with me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you're talking, I'm thinking about over the years, CBS has done such a good job of capturing either the story or the images on a screen during it, especially during an NCAA tournament of coaches, wives. And, you know, a season where we've talked a lot about COVID and medical people and healthcare workers being the heroes, college basketball coaches probably amidst, and higher than about any sport, really get a lot of that love. And so I think, Scott, you would say you would agree with that, right? That college basketball coaches, wives, Jamie, in particularly in this case, get the due credit they do for a reason. Yeah, you know, they're, they're definitely the un, unsung heroes because most of the attention, you know, I, I mean, we go out, people want to talk to me. They don't want to talk to her. And really, she's the one they ought to want to talk to because I'm not that good of a conversationalist and she is and uh, but but I've got most of the attention just because of my position and uh, you know she's had to take a back seat in so many areas of our life and you know I've just been thankful for that that, that she's handled that well and uh, you know there's just so much more to her that people don't know versus what people know about me and my life and all those things you know, she has her own own things going on in her life besides basketball, too, that she's trying to get done. And so uh, it's it's important that the, the light gets shed on those things, too. Mm, that's so good. So, Scott, let's let's go one of two directions here. You know, one of the questions I'm always going to want to get into is someone's testimony, either like a three-minute coming to Christ, landing there with Jesus, and then kind of some follow-up. Or another way we could take that, and I'll let you kind of go where you want, maybe hitting on two or three 
pivotal moments in your life where you really experienced the Lord and met him in a moment, in a season, in a crisis, in whatever. So take that wherever you want. Give us some background on yourself spiritually. You know, I grew up in a family that went to church, but, uh, you know, I spent most of my young life up until uh, my junior high school just trying to earn my way to salvation, you know, thinking, you know, what do I have to do to get to heaven? I mean, I understood the concept of heaven and hell and all that. So, so I had a good feel for that, but I didn't understand what grace was. And, uh, you know, I'm in a position, you know, a coach where performance is so important and something that I still battle uh, on a daily basis, uh, grace versus trying to earn, you know, my salvation. And, uh, you know, my parents were divorced when I was a freshman in high school and I lived with my mom and uh, she got remarried and she moved away. And I want, I, I was a junior in high school and we had a good basketball team and I wanted to stay and, and I couldn't live with my dad because he was in a different school district in the same town in Champaign, Illinois, that my dad was, uh, an assistant at the University of Illinois for 18 years for Lou Henson. And so, but I couldn't live with him cause I'd had to go to the rival school and I wanted to stay in the school I was in. And so I, I ended up moving in with my best friend's family and they had seven kids. I was the eighth and they were all home and the grandmother lived there. So there were 11 of us. I went from a house with three people, went to a house with 11. And uh, the mother was a, a very strong Christian woman and just kind of had it out for me. And uh, through that experience of living with them and getting involved with uh, Youth for Christ and going to a camp in the, in the summer uh, my, between my junior and senior year, I, I accepted Jesus into my life. And, you know, I went, I went uh, through college still not completely understanding you know, that my salvation was secure at that point. I was still trying to earn it, still trying to earn it. And uh, met one of my very best friends when, when I went to grad school back at the University of Illinois, who worked for Athletes in Action at the time. And, uh, you know, he just asked me, are you going to heaven or not? And I said, Bill, I have no idea. And he says, well, have you asked Jesus in your life? And I said, I have. He said, then you're going. And it's like the light turned on for me right there. It was unbelievable. I, I, I understood for the first time that it didn't have anything to do with me. And uh, obviously, it was a, a big relief that it didn't because, you know, I, I knew myself well and what a mess I was and still am to this day. But but so grateful for the light turning on there. And, and I went on just, just living and, and just very fortunate, married Jamie, uh, met her in, when I was in grad school. And, uh, uh, you know, I can, I, I can just tell you, Jeff, that probably one of the biggest moments in my life spiritually once I'd become a Christian, uh, you know, because I, I had always won. I mean, when I played in high school, I won. In college, I won. Uh, I went on to be a you know, head coach at a very young age. And our first three years, we were 75 and 10. I, I had never lost. I didn't even know what it was like to lose. And uh, so I, start, I really started to identify myself with winning. Like that was – you know, I needed to win. I needed for people to see me as a winner. Uh, that was very important to me. And and when I was at South Dakota State, we were about eight or nine years in, and we made the transition from Division Two to Division One. And it's a heck of a lot different in Division One than it is Division Two. And it was a tough transition. We weren't very good. We had a year where we won six games. We had a year where we won eight games and ten games. And I was miserable. I was completely miserable and thought about quitting. I, I didn't know what to do. And uh, I'll never forget sitting in church one day. I know where I was sitting even. It's like God just, 
I'm, I'm not saying I heard him audibly, but I heard him say, do you want to win or do you want to know me? And uh, it was, it knocked me down. Did you say both? I want to win and I want to know you? Well, you know, at that point I wanted to win more than I wanted to know him. And it, it became very evident to me that what he wanted was for me to know him. And so it, it was a big moment for me. You know, in terms of how I identify myself. Now, I can tell you, I, I still struggle with it to this day. There's not any question about it. Like, I love to win and uh, highly competitive, do what I got to do within the rules and sometimes outside the rules when it comes to a card game or something. Uh, but it, it was just a, it was just such an important moment for me to, to know that God wanted me to know him and wanted me to want that more than anything else. And, you know, I've been able to grow because of that. Like I say, I, st I still struggle with it. I, I like being identified as a winner who doesn't. And I, and I like winning, and we've done a lot of it. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful. And I also recognize that for whatever reason, his grace, you know, he's always given us good players because I know that's how we win because we have good players. And I always said I'm a good coach when I have good players, and I'm not a very good coach when I don't. And we fortunately have very good players. He's been very gracious and bringing good recruits to us. And so – you know, mostly I just want to glorify him with, with what I do. I, uh, and I'll tell you, most of the time I feel like I fail at that because of my humanness and my competitiveness and the things that come out of my mouth sometimes. Uh, but but I'm, I'm thankful for his grace in my life. And, and I know I'm a lot more gracious to my players than I used to be because of, of really that moment. Wow. You know, it's interesting as I hear you speak. It's, you know, I've spent obviously spent time with you and I think finding that balance between being tough on yourself in a way that allows you to get better and discipline and in growth, but then being too tough on yourself. I, you know, I've often said to you that, you know, you're one of the toughest people I've ever met on yourself. Like nobody is going to hold Scott Nagy to higher standard than Scott Nagy's going to hold. And people say that about themselves, but it is 100% true with you. Um, and let me ask you this. I know there's been a neat story with you recently where your dad, who you obviously are close to, and if anybody goes to Wright State basketball game, it won't take you long to know who Dick Nagy is. <laughs> I've joked with you about that. You go to game and he's going to be on the refs. If they make a bad call, they're going to know about it. They're going to know where he is. He's close behind the bench. And obviously it's a little bit different with that this year, but you know, he just became cancer free. That's still fair to say, right? Yeah. He, you know, we hadn't really seen him since March, since the whole COVID thing hit. And then in July, late July, we, we found out he had leukemia and, uh, you know, he's 77 at that point. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, that was a big hit to us, obviously. And, and he, you know, he's had three rounds of chemo. And at this point, you know, he's cancer-free. He may, he may go back, you know, come out of remission. But, but uh, you know, we're hopeful that he doesn't. Uh, he's handled it pretty well. And, you know, it's been hard. My, my kids just saw him this weekend. Three of my boys, my three boys just saw him this weekend for the first time since March. So they hadn't seen him in almost a year. Uh, you know, and he hasn't, you know, my son just had uh, our first, my son and his wife just had our first grandchild in June, and my dad hasn't seen his great-grandchild yet, so we're hopeful to get that done this spring. I mean, you've got to be filling yeah. since March. I mean, we, we talked about when we met up 
I think a couple times ago, we talked about, you know, just how tough this was and what it was like on every level with your players and what you're able to do, what you're not able to do. Obviously, being a grad, I'm getting the stuff in the mail and seeing it online about the uh, cardboard cutouts, the athletic department, Bob Grant are doing or whatnot. I mean, you've you've had a roller coaster, but I got to imagine with your dad and, and with Riley being born and whatever, are you riding either A, more of a steady wave or B, the highs have been that much sweeter as of late? Which is it? Uh, it, it's been pretty steady. I, uh, number one, like it, it has been very difficult, and uh, it's just very unusual to play every single game in front of no fans. But at, at the same point, just tried to help our players keep their eyes on what they have, you know, versus what they don't have. I mean, we we tend to always have our eyes on the things we don't have versus what we have. And there's so many people in our country right now that aren't getting to do what they want to do. And fortunately, we're getting to. Now, it's not exactly the way we want it, but we're getting to play. Uh, and we've been able to play 19 games at this point. We've missed a couple of them because of, of protocols, but we're getting to play, and we're having a, a, a great year. And so I want our players to be thankful for that and be grateful for it versus always thinking, oh, things could be better. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I would say it's pretty steady. I'm, I'm very thankful for our players. They've been steady and have done a great job and, and worked through this diff, the, the difficultness of not playing in front of people. And they, they've just played so consistently. And so I've just been very thankful for them and what they've done. And my, my staff has been tremendous also. So we feel we feel pretty fortunate to get to do what we do, even though it's not exactly the way we'd like to like it to be done. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about what your last few years has been like. You have the NCAA tournament game against Tennessee, which, you know, it was weird. My two favorite teams playing each other, school I've loved since a kid, Tennessee. I play at Wright State. So you get a regular traditional tournament game. Then we speed up, and there's no NCAA tournament. And now it's all done in Indianapolis. I mean, did you see that one coming with Indianapolis and how – I mean, obviously that's better than what you had last year, which was no tournament. And, and, you know, I know you guys are playing at a high level again this year and definitely have a shot to get into the tournament. And then what do you think about, you know, Indianapolis? Everything is there. You know, I I guess I got to be careful about what I say about it, Jeff, because I, I get so annoyed with the whole thing sometimes. And, and But it'll be interesting to see how it goes to see if they can keep every single player on all 64, 68 teams, whatever they're doing with it. If they can keep them all COVID-free, I'll be interested to see if they can do that. Uh, you know, we test three times a week right now. And uh, I ran in my – I went saw my cardiologist the other day, and he said, you're the most tested person I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, there aren't very many people that are testing three times a week. But, we, but it's something we have to do, and uh, I, I just don't know how it's going to go. I'm just, I'm just thankful that they're trying to give it a go. And I'll tell you, for the NCAA, for their sake, I mean, they need it financially because – uh, you know, almost almost 100% of the revenue the NCAA has comes from the NCAA men's basketball tournament. All the money they use for the other championships, the softball championship, yeah. the tennis championship, whatever it is, comes from the men's basketball tournament. And if we don't have another tournament, which we didn't have last year, they're going to go broke. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Well, let's dive into some other stuff. So I got to ask the, I got like five questions I like to ask kind of rapid fire, call them the rapid five. Let me ask you these five rapid five questions. What was your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Uh, Count Chocula. 
was my favorite oh, my cereal. Goodness. I don't even know if they make that anymore, but I love Cow Chocula. We had somebody else say that. That's 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 a popular answer. I guess everybody wants that. You know, I, I'd go quickly on that one to uh, the candy bar side of it, and that shows in my waist. But I loved, I don't know if you liked either one of these, whatchamacallit, which is a little bit more contemporary, but yeah. Powerhouse. Remember Powerhouse candy bar? I do remember Powerhouse, but, but uh, yeah, I loved whatchamacallit yeah, for sure. Yeah, those were good ones. So I know you're not a big reader, but what's your favorite sports biography you've ever read? Uh, probably one on uh, Julius Irving, on Dr. J. I don't remember the name of the book, mm. uh, but uh, you know he was he was a big hero of mine, and and uh, so you know I enjoy reading about him for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget going the first time to Market Square Arena and saying Doc play the Pacers, and I thought it was like the biggest deal thing ever. My dad got me tickets to go see Dr. J and. Market Square Arena back in the day. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I always tell people my favorite movie is The Fish and Save Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Never get seen. That's but, right. You know, when I was a little kid, Dr. J was in it. So it was the greatest movie ever. Fish and Save Pittsburgh. That's right. I forgot about that. So here's a big one for you. Now, I know your kids are a little bit older, so this this is a little bit more relevant to me, but you, you can relate to this at some point. So you guys are on vacation, and if you're anything like me, vacationing with four kids and my wife – the biggest challenge before we get there and when we're coming home is what happens at whatever point when we need to stop and get a bite to eat and time's an issue and do we eat it in a car? Do we take it with us? And of course with COVID now, depending on where you go, you're not eating inside, but there's an exit coming up and you see on the sign, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger, McDonald's. Where's the Negi family going in that equation? Man, uh, well, I mean... If we put up that, we'd probably go to an in and out because there just aren't any, aren't very many around here, and, and just for variety's sake, we'd go we'd go to the in and out. But favorite wise, we man, they they would all go well with our family for sure. It would depend on the day, uh, but I would say for variety's sake, we'd go to the in and out. Yeah, I've been trying to convince my kids more and more all the time to really fall more in love with Wendy's because it's it's not even a quarter mile from our house, and I love the Wendy's app. We ate one time at Wendy's with six phones and getting the best deal possible. I think the six of us ate at Wendy's for seven bucks. No joke. That was drinks. That was chicken sandwiches. That was nuts. I'm like, wow, the Wendy's app is a great thing. So here's a big one for you. Now this might include Jamie. This might be Scott by himself. What movie, when it comes on TV, no matter what you're doing, what you got going on, what you're watching, 10 minutes left to go, an hour left to go, starting at the beginning, what movie will you be forced to not change the channel? You have to watch it. No matter how many times you've seen it, it's on again. I got to watch this movie. Well, I, you know, I would say if it were if it were Jamie and me uh, together, it'd probably be Notting Hill. We, we both oh, okay. enjoy that. And enjoy Never watching it together. And I would say for me, you know, if it was just me, just about anything Denzel Washington's in, I, I have really enjoyed. I, I just love his acting. Yeah, you know, it's funny that question to me. I always would think of uh, Boys in the Hood. I love Boys in the Hood back in the day. I did urban youth ministry for 10 years. And, man, there were some just incredible scenes to me in Boys in the Hood. Okay, last one. And then you're off the hook. What is your first celebrity crush? Not your last. Your first. Um, first celebrity crush. I would say probably Steffi Graf. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? I uh, I used to have a middle list. Like, I'm sure I'm not alone in this with guys that I had the perfect 
you know, like when sports magazines and things have put together the perfect athlete and you go with the brains of this person, the whatever this person or whatever this person. I always said there were two things about Steffi Graf. I always loved Steffi Graf's legs and I loved her backhand. And um, certainly she was a great <laughs> tennis player, but uh, I am definitely could go there with you on that one. So, all right. Well, hey, let's get back to some meaty stuff. I wanted to have some fun with you, Scott, there and do something a little bit different. So one of my favorite things to hear you talk about when we do talk about basketball is I love when you talk about the type of kids you like to coach. And you've told me often that, you know, AAU is, you know, I know coaches sometimes struggle with AAU and that type of setup versus just going to high school game and recruiting or whatever. And you've talked about when you could go to the main gym versus you go to the side gym and the types of kids you're looking for to coach. Talk about the type of kid you coach and you know, I think you tend to look at kids that way, whether you're looking at this lens or not, there's a Christ-like thing to it as far as the types of qualities you're looking for. So talk about the type of kid you like to coach. Well, mostly the type of kid I like to coach is, is the one that's not entitled, the one that thinks that they're, in other words, that we're doing them a favor versus they, they think they're doing us a favor by being here. And uh, I've, I've never been able to coach a kid really well when he thinks he's doing me a favor by being here. And so a kid who's thankful and grateful, and that, that's the thing about AAU, you know, they get so much attention for being a good basketball player, which I mean, uh, quite honestly is, is very ridiculous. And, and so a lot of times they don't get held to account for things they do or how they act just because they're a good player, which is terrible for the kid. And they become entitled. They think that people owe them, uh, everything and and uh, so we, we we that's why you know the top AU programs we don't generally like to recruit from because those kids have all you know been coddled and told how great they are and we're just not going to do that here at Wright State we don't coddle our kids we don't tell them how great they are we we tell them the things they need to work on uh, you know my my personality tends to be f- to see the things that need to be fixed and not the things that are already going well. And so I'm going to be telling them about the things they need to fix and, and not the things they're doing really well. Now, my wife always says to me, for every negative thing you say, you have to say seven positive things. And when she told me that, I said, well, that might be the case in marriage, but I don't know if I have the time to do that as a coach. Now, I I would venture to say I probably say a lot more positive things than people give me credit for, but what kids remember are the negative things. Well, we all remember. When somebody says something critical to us, we remember that. We don't always remember when somebody tells us we do a good job. Uh, but I need guys that can handle that and, and want to get better and want to be pushed and want to be coached and, and don't want to be baby because we're not going to baby people here. And so we, we like to find those back gyms that, where kids aren't necessarily on the top AU teams and all their uniforms don't match and they haven't been given everything. And we, we found a lot of good players like that. Uh, and, and we've enjoyed coaching them and we've been able to win a lot of games because we, we do. We try to recruit kids that aren't entitled. Yeah. Going back on a spiritual question here for a minute. So 2021 Jesus Christ to Scott Negi compared to the Jesus Christ you met tied to athletes in action and whatnot that way years ago. Tell me what's different or what do you know now about Jesus that makes you more in love with him at this point than when you met him? One thing that really helped me over, over this period is, I don't know if you've seen it or heard about it, but, but this app called The Chosen. Mm. And uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just as, it's about 
and you can you can just put it right up on your TV. It's great, and it's uh you know it's a little bit like Netflix where it's a series and they, they've only gotten through the first series. They're making the second series now, but it's, 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 it's a story about how Jesus chose his disciples, but it gave me such a different picture of possibly who Jesus was because, because of my personality and, and how I read the Bible, you know, I always see Jesus is very critical and not a very happy guy. And like, mm. Oh, I got to put up with these people. And, uh, th- th- this series that I watched is chosen gave me such a different picture of just how enjoyable he was to be around mm. and uh, how much he loved people and uh, it, it just it, it really impacted me and just gave me a different view of how Jesus sees me even though uh, you know I'm a complete screw up and you know just really helped me because most of the time I, I feel like I'm a disappointment to him. And, uh, you know, that, again, that comes back to what you said about, about you know, a hard on myself, which really is tied into pride anyway. Mm. I mean, it's just a prideful thing when you get to that point, you know, and so there's some of that stuff that I have to be able to let go and realize and be, you know, be thankful for, you know, that I can't do it all perfectly. And that's exactly why I needed Jesus sure. in the first place. And, and so just been very grateful for that series uh, because for so much of my life, I've seen myself as such a disappointment to him and to be able to see that series and know just how joyful he is over me and that he would actually want to spend time with me really helped me see how he views me in a different light. You know how slow and what a knucklehead I am, Scott. You're only about the 20th person that's references strongly and said, Jeff, you got to watch this, our West Palm Beach gathering guy. He's beat me up on it. Friday in a locker room group of ours, which is one of the gathering small groups, Tom Bender, he was telling us that it's the best thing he's ever seen, kind of like you said about just showing Jesus' personality. He said there was a real personality to Jesus sometimes that we lose sight of, and we almost think he didn't have one. So I've got to put that. I've got the app. I've oh, got it, every- it moved me. Almost every one of them I watched, Jeff, uh, I was in tears watching it. Wow. Uh, it just it moved me that much to watch it. Wow. Wow. So last question, I know – you got some other things that need attention, but so my son, Alex, 14 years old, I'm going to play dad here in a minute and get some coaching from you has really developed into a really nice player. He's leading his team in scoring. I think he's led him in scoring at all but three games. Uh, buddy of mine put a little video together on his own. Didn't even ask him to. He just did it last night and he's kind of got this nice drive, you know, running shot to the hoop, hitting threes. Well, playing good defense. He's got great handles for a kid his age. I always talk to him about leadership and about representing Jesus well on the court. And he's developed into a really nice lookout for the best of his teammates, wanting to see the last guy off the bench who hasn't scored all year score, that type of thing. How would you encourage me as a dad of a 14-year-old eighth grader heading into high school and four years of basketball coming up? You know, who knows if he plays college, but just thinking next four years. Well, what what I always tell parents is – what your son, because obviously I'm talking to people that, that are coaching their boy. Now, that's not always the case because sometimes uh, I will talk to a parent that's, that has a daughter that plays. Uh, but but so we, we get so tied into our, you know, like we feel good about ourselves if our kids play well, if they perform well, if they, you know, have a great game, if they score a lot of points, it makes us feel good about ourselves. And uh, I think the most important thing we can do as a parent 
is let our child know, regardless of how they perform, regardless of how many points they score, uh, or if they turn out to be that great athlete, we want them to be, and they probably want to be, that no matter what, we're going to love them. And our love is, not, is will not be tied to how they perform on the basketball court or on the baseball field or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, so often I think that even the, the guys that I coach – uh, feel like they let their parents down if they don't score a certain amount of points or, uh, you know, and I always tell parents, Hey, just, just tell your kids you love them regardless. That's all they need to hear. We're here to coach them. That's what we do. We'll help them get better. We'll, we'll tell them that they didn't play good. And what you need to tell them is you love them no matter how mm. they play. Wow. What a great reminder. I can't hear that enough. Well, Scott, thanks so much. Appreciate you squeezing in time and we will uh, obviously catch up soon as we do. Best of luck to you the rest of the season, and hopefully we'll have some right state action going on in Indianapolis. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Shine FM Podcast Network.